0: Welcome to the First Step Theology podcast where we, hey Luke, thanks for chiming in real early. Um, Hey, before we get into it, we are finally in the same room together and so we aren't doing this over Zoom, thank goodness. Hence why
1: we're so pumped.
0: Yeah, and just going to talk over one another from the get-go. What? So I'm going to go back and start that uh, intro again. (laughs) Where we discuss our glorious God so that we all might love and enjoy Him in a greater way. Hey, we're glad that you're joining with us. This is a resource of Gospel Life Church Adelaide. Um, But if you're, you know, not part of our church, found us through whatever pipeline um, you jumped in on, then we're glad that you're here. And we hope this is beneficial for you, encouraging and edifying as uh, we help you to love God in a greater way. I'm here, um, as he's already chimed in already, with uh, my good friend, my pastor, my swimming Hero. coach, my <laughs> juggling partner, Luke Rasmussen. How you doing, mate? Joel, so good to be in the same room and looking at your
1: beautiful face yeah. as we get to discuss the glorious doctrine and rant and rave a little bit. Yeah. The truth is, this is where it all began in this office, because we would get together often and then just rant about different things that we believed so now we're going to put it out there and possibly end our careers
0: yeah and get fired from things we weren't even paid for
1: (laughs) exactly right (laughs) so uh before we get off uh the bat and talk about all these uh what we're going to talk about today i have a uh, few important questions for you to get moving it's disconcerting first of all are you married
0: correct yes i am
1: (laughs) Uh second of all, well, this is, you know, we we all know that she's of a very high calibre. But the next question I want to ask. Well,
0: for those who don't know, she is of a very high calibre, the highest of calibres, top shelf.
1: Sounds like a threat to me. <laughs> she is of the highest anyway. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: uh, is it true that
0: you were a big fan of Lord of the Rings? Absolutely. Huge fan of Lord of the Rings. Oh, actually, just to re-clarify, I'm probably a bigger fan of The Hobbit. In terms of the books, like I grew yeah. up reading The Hobbit. I've probably read it. Maybe ten or twelve times. I read it to my top shelf wife while she was in labor with our top shelf son. So there oh, wow. you
1: go. I was gonna ask you actually, when is the when is when is the right age to start reading the Hobbit to your kids?
0: Oh, in the womb. That before it started. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: it. Peering out. Anyway. Um okay, so you're a big Lord of the Rings fan? Yeah. Um Word on the street is, and I don't want to burst people's bubbles about who that people might think you are. Is it true or? untrue, that you used to collect and paint Warhammer, Lord
0: of the Rings. <laughs> um, it is, and I'll take that one step further. I used to, so Warhammer it was essentially a board game. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, and I used to compete at tournaments <laughs> <You're> <laughs> with, my, so um, with my good forces.
1: Don't you ever mock me for had- swimming again. <laughs> at least there was girls involved in that sport. <laughs>
0: Hey, there was there was a girl who <laughs> who, you know, dropped us off and picked us up. We called her mum, but whatever. <laughs> Your mum yeah. is a
1: saint. We yeah. do love Claire. But
0: yeah, I competed with my armies of Gondor and my Aragon, King Aragon on horseback, wielding Andrew Flame of the West he was flipping oh destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> he was- and i won every tournament i went to i was you undefeated didn't win
1: anything mate you won nothing
0: <laughs> i actually I, The funny thing is the prize was it was always like a warhammer tournament and there's always like the people who played um oh what's the other warhammer called just warhammer uh, original Warhammer, which Sorry. is like—I
1: <laughs> <laughs> have no idea.
0: <laughs> Whereas we, and me and my friends, and a bunch of other people played Lord of the Rings Warhammer, which was spe- its own specific thing. And the prize for the tournaments was always like the original Warhammer sets. Ugh. So I'd or win this stuff that I'd never use. You'd probably resell it, resell it. Yeah, I went to Toy World and exchanged it for Lord of the Rings stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that is huge you heard it here first uh well actually while we're pulling things up from people's (laughs) past just before you jump into saying something else about me uh and this is probably important for all our listeners who are, you know recognize that you're a pastor uh but also you know a hopefully trusted source for good biblical theology yeah um, we just need to get ahead of, ahead of the scandal. Do you or do you not have a written letter from the police commissioner in himself uh, here in South Australia, past life, no doubt, but... Yep but um, still very relevant, a written letter warning you to stop swerving at pedestrians, yes or no?
1: I cannot confirm or deny these allegations. First off the bat, I would just like to say it wasn't pedestrians, it was schoolchildren. And secondly...
0: How do you distinguish between a pedestrian and schoolchildren?
1: I don't know. Does not make me any better or worse? Uh, it was a long time ago. Thank you, Joel, for bringing that up. And uh, I'm not proud of it. It was like when I used to...
0: (laughs) When you were telling me about it the other day, there was a glint of pride in your eyes.
1: I've forgotten all about it, actually. It's like when I used to do dry fire baptisms. (laughs) (laughs) Explain. I once shared this once in a preach and people kind of looked at me like I'm ashamed to even allow you to preach to me. But mm. what I used to do is on days when it was raining, sorry, I'm like on the cusp of laughing this whole time because <laughs> just thinking about it, um, I would drive through puddles at pace and baptize people as they were walking along as pedestrians. So. Right. I was, and the worst thing is I would say to myself, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go through the puddle and just drench people. Yeah.
0: You got a gen- genuine profession of faith and repentance of sin from <laughs> yeah. that as well.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure they would have used yeah. the Lord's name yeah. when it yeah. happened.
0: As they were flipping you the bird <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: as you drove away.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, these were my teen years, and funnily enough, that is uh, a long time ago because I'm... Mm. Um, I'm getting old. Yeah,
0: well, drive-by baptisms are actually really relevant for today, considering that we may very well need them as we're unable to gather in <laughs> exactly in our uh, churches.
1: I was ahead of the curve. You are welcome, everyone. You're allowed to use that one.
0: Yeah, and you were uh, ahead of the curve, and you swerved to the curb to try yeah. and get those school children.
1: <laughs> one day, I'll have to tell you the the true story. It's not as bad as what you think.
0: Yeah, uh, mm, yeah it's pretty. It certainly bad. sounds like it.
1: Yeah, mm. if you say in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit it's not bad, right?
0: (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, maybe that's a good segue into uh, what we're talking about, considering we are talking about our glorious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, we're talking today about his omnipotence and his sovereignty. And this is actually going to tie off our uh, sort of first section as we're talking about the incommunicable attributes of god or the things about god that are only true about him and uh Uh, at the end of this episode we'll talk about how this practically relates to us and who cares who cares that god is omnipotent and he is sovereign we're going to talk about prayer we're going to talk about how we as humans crave control and how truly as believers that is uh, adverse to the things of god when we recognize that he is sovereign and he is in control and that he is the only one who is powerful enough um to command things to be for himself so uh luke why don't you uh Help us define what it means. First of all, let's talk about God's omnipotence.
1: Omnipotence. So omnipotent, which means that God is limitless in power. Uh, so mm. um, as we talked about last week, we talked about he was omniscient, Yep. Uh, which is he is all-knowing. And then um, omnipresent. Omnipresent. Thank you, Squire. Uh, that means he is everywhere. It is then natural to continue on to uh, look at the fact that he is limitless in his power. He has all power. And I think the best way that we see that mm. uh, is through creation. Sure. Right. How so? Well, um, the fact that the creation is what it is. <laughs> yeah, there
0: is a creation. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, clearly, it points to a powerful God. Mm. And in fact, the testimony of scripture. Right? Points mm. to the fact that there is uh, an awful, awful, and all powerful God.
0: Absolutely. You even think about um, specific parts of creation. Like you think about a, a tidal wave or a volcano or an elephant or <laughs> I don't know, um, just aspects of our creation that are in themselves powerful. Mm. I'm thinking about the discourses in the book of Job where God talks about. Um, his sovereign rule and governance mm. over all of creation and he talks about the wild nature of creation from the point of view of, hey, I created this, I governed this. Yeah, This is um, merely a glimpse of my power at work.
1: And that's that's actually interesting that you say that because my head naturally goes when I think of omnipotent, I think of him creating it. I don't actually think of him preserving it at the mm. same time and that's actually oh, I don't know what's more powerful. I mean, really, I mean, it ties in very much to his um, mm-hmm. sovereignty as Absolutely. well. But that is a powerful God to control those things, to hold yeah. uh, the whole earth as it is. Mm. And um, that preserving nature of him does very much show um, his incredible power. And even so, the, um, the apostles When they were so, for example, in Second Peter, when um, Paul Peter is writing to the church in Asia Minor, which is in modern day Turkey, when he's arguing um, at the this, you know, he's he's talking them through uh, the issue that they're facing with with Gnosticism and things like this. Mm. He um, his argument for this power of God and the fact that we can look that there will be a judgment is in creation. Yeah, right. So he constantly points them back to the power that we perceive in creation. Yeah, true. Same thing is done by Paul Mm. in Romans. He says they are without excuse. Yeah. Because his power is shown in what? Creation.
0: Creation itself. Yeah. And back to your first thought in terms of where your head goes. Yeah. Yeah. The very fact that creation came into being. Like one of the big points of Genesis chapter one is uh this idea of ex nihilio, which is from nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Name I was gonna say name dropping, it's not a (laughs) name, word dropping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I probably pronounced it wrong.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I did Lord of the Rings and the (laughs) Gliben.
0: Um, but this idea that God created out of nothing. Yeah. Like you think about our creation as human beings, we are always creating from something, Hmm. whether it be from some past knowledge or experience or it'll be from some raw materials. Like I build a house, but I don't build it from nothing. I build it out of wood as if I could <laughs> hammer a out nail of, in properly. Out if, of
1: plastic, and, and it's a warhammer plastic. <laughs> yeah,
0: of course. Yeah, balsa wood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'll keep uh yeah. I'm going to keep hanging it's on, on that. S- you just be aware of this. Stay on task, mate. Sorry. Uh, um. Yeah, and, and so the very fact that God, could create from nothing is in itself evidence of his all-powerfulness or the very fact that his power is unlimited.
1: Mm, Yeah. We were talking about this recently um, with my kids Um, through our kids' church program. We're going through the New City Catechisms and Mm. it says God is the creator of everyone and everything. Yeah. So what we did with our girls was like got all the stuff ready to make a cake like the pots and the pans and everything like that. And I don't know if this is just bullying, but we're like, okay, we're going to make a cake. But um, what we need you to do is to make the um, the flour first mm. before we make the cake, yep. make the sugar first, you know, make all, I don't know what, I've never baked a cake in my life. <laughs> yeah, what goes into cakes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cake mixture. Cake mixture, yeah. Um, yeah. And they're like, well, we, we can't. <laughs> I'm like, mm. We're not good enough. Yeah. But uh, no, uh, really – you know, mm. that that's the difference between us and God. So God true. can create and he is that powerful yeah. that he creates with what he needs to create with, with yeah. just his words.
0: Yeah.
1: Whew, that's an incredible amount of power. Absolutely. There's also beauty in that power of like cells and the tiny structures that make mm. us up. Mm. You know, like I when I think of power, I think of nuclear bomb explosion. Sure. Yeah. Elephants, you know. <laughs> yeah, they, those big. two go
0: hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the same train of <laughs> Yeah.
1: But you know, like the, the big things that catch our eye. But mm. in modern science, we're seeing more and more of the beauty of the little things that make up, and there's such incredible power in that. And mm. so a powerful God who can do that. Yeah, that's really cool.
0: Absolutely, man. So good. Mm. Yeah. And so, and then the next thing that is really um, linked to this and is linked to all the ideas that we've presented so far is God's sovereignty, which is simply to say that he is the owner and the ruler of all things. So, not only did he create them and they belong to him, but he is also the ruler of all things. Um, and that that means a bunch of things, which we'll get to in, in a moment. But I just want to point out that this is really the rightful place for God. Yeah. Like considering that he is omnipotent, that he is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, he is all-present, he is good and just and right, as we're going to get to in the next couple of weeks. He is holy, he's transcendent, he's imminent. I don't know what else we've talked about. He is God, in other words. <laughs> yeah. The rightful place for him is on the throne. Yeah. ruling and governing all things.
1: Yeah. So I've got a quick question for you is um <clears throat> a lot of time when we're going through a tough time sure we um we begin to question how can God be everywhere powerful all knowing?
0: Mm.
1: How does the sovereignty of God play into that?
0: Do you want to um, start with a softball? Or can- <laughs> I'll just lob this
1: one up to see.
0: So how does the sovereignty of God play into our suffering? Is that you're saying? Or, yeah, or ultimately, our- yeah. Well, I suppose first of all we recognise that because God governs all things, that he is the ruler of all things, we can uh, rest upon his character or we can trust in his character. So God as has revealed himself as good as a father who cares for his children, as our saviour. It's Yahweh who saves throughout the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we see that he saves by his son, Christ Jesus. Nice. And so we can always rely upon his character. And so we can trust him through suffering, through hardship, through trials, um, knowing that he... um, he will work within us through those times, that he is still for us mm. and that um, you know, our suffering can lead to his glory. Yeah. Did you add to that.
1: Yeah. All I would also say is that sometimes we can look and we can question his um, like the three omnis of God mm. because of something like coronavirus. Sure. You know, you can look at it and you'd be like, How can God be powerful and allow this to happen? Mm. Or whatever. God's sovereignty answers that question because what it does is Mm. it goes, well, there's actually reason behind this Mm. rather than um, just things that are out of his power.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't an accident. It didn't like catch him. It didn't blindside God. That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's a that's a very important thing to get your head around is that nothing catches
0: God. Mm. What but at the very same time we want to affirm that man is responsible. Big that, time. That uh that things like COVID, things like our suffering, things like, you know, whatever it may be, are the result of a sinful broken world. Big time. And how does God's sovereignty and man's responsibility play together in those in, in that?
1: Here comes another big word. Go. I thought you were going to just lay it all out there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know the word you're talking about, but I'm blanking on it now.
1: (laughs) It's an antinomy. That's
0: it, an antinomy, yeah. Is that these are two biblical ideas that are presented right next to each other. They seem contradictory, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, the Bible just gives them to us on a platter. Mm -hmm. I'm holding my hands up right, you can't see me, but right and left are right next to each other and they have to go hand in hand. They walk together, they cannot be separated God is sovereign, man is responsible. Yep. It's the same with salvation. It's the same with recognizing suffering and the effects of our sinful world. God is sovereign, mm. He's ruler, creator, sustainer, governor of all things. But at the very same time, we are responsible. You think mm. about that in salvation, right? Yeah. God saves. God is the one who initiates salvation. He saves us by his spirit through the son in Christ Jesus. But at the very same time, right, the Bible tells us that we believe in Jesus Christ, Mm. that we repent of our sins and we are responsible for doing that. Anything you want to add?
1: (laughs) No, I just remember I read a book by Dallas Willard Mm. and he was talking about uh, our heart condition Mm. You know, speaking on the fact that we play, we're responsible, our heart condition has is what led to mm. uh, where we are today. It's like mm. sin in our hearts. Yeah. And so um, he says that um, that you can link all bad things that are happening in this world mm. to man's heart condition. Sure. Either through our greed mm. we wreak havoc on the environment yeah. or, you know, we mine too far mm. or we, um yeah, you know, Because of
0: greed? Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, the heart yeah. condition, yeah.
1: Um, or we um, go is to war with someone through pride, mm. we develop weapons because we don't trust and we want to be in control. Like it all mm. comes back to a, a heart condition, yeah. Yet God is still sovereign over those things, yeah,
0: totally. And it's tough gracious to save those who have rebelled against Him, yeah. And really, this is where the gospel, um, oh, good. Yeah, the gospel is so powerful in showing us that God has saved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, as Ephesians uh, chapter 2 teaches us, that we were dead in our sins. And what can a dead pe- person do? Nothing. Be dead, right? Yeah. We 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 can do Decompose. nothing. Yeah, apart from God's sovereignty in allowing us, in, in giving us a new heart, in purifying us, and uh, allowing us to see the beauty of the gospel in Christ Jesus, and therefore to believe in faith, um, repenting of our sins in doing so, and and really the gospel is where we see the greatest evidence of God's omnipotence, His limitless power, and His sovereignty. Yeah. Right. So, so firstly, how do, how in the gospel do we see God's omnipotence?
1: Well, um, as you were saying earlier, death to life. Totally. Yeah. Um, uh, we see that through his that overwhelming grace that mm. he pours upon us. You know that the great gift of grace that um, the Bible says, yeah, we're dead in our sins. Mm. We are rebels. We are against him. Yeah. And it is outside of our nature to ever want him. Totally. But it is by His power that can change a hard heart. Absolutely, which is insane. When mm-hmm. You think about it. I even think about uh, conversations I have with people who are going through really tough times, mm. or who are really hard-hearted and stubborn. It is the power of God, yeah, to change that which seems completely unchangeable. Totally, as Ezekiel. Speaks yeah. of the heart of stone, stone to a heart of flesh. Amen. That that is the greatest miracle for that we sure. could ever have. And I think that's a really, really good point, right? Sometimes within Christianity, we can let the pendulum uh swing way too far mm. and make it all about, I don't know, like hunting for an experiential miracle. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily against. Those sorts of things, but we must never forget the beauty of the greatest miracle of all, is from death to life, yeah. alive to Christ, and then the sanctifying work. Mm. Like I'm just reminded of the the own sin in my life and the sanctifying work that life mm. that we get through Christ, working in me every single day. Yeah, that's the omnipotence of God.
0: Totally. Yeah,
1: that is an amazing gracious
0: gift yeah on well, the first thing so um death to life where you know, i think about lazarus being called out of the tomb jesus calling him out like that power to bring someone to life is not limited to lazarus but it's for all of us it's god bringing us from spiritual death to spiritual life and we see that happening all, like, all across the globe yeah as god saves dead sinners and brings them uh, into his life, into his son. Yeah, and spiritual life is far more greater
1: than physical life. Mm. You know, it's Jesus says, "Don't fear the one who can put you to death, but fear the one who can throw you into hell when you <laughs> yeah. do die."
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like that, spiritual life is, and it being eternal. That that shows, mm. and that's something within the gospel, within the resurrection. Yeah, and we spoke about this as a church on Resurrection Sunday of that what Christ does, or what what the resurrection means. Is that he conquered death completely by his omnipotent power? Yeah, and so by plugging into him, by being attached in the great mystery of us being now being attached to Christ, Mm. as Ephesians talks about, means that we have that power flowing within us from death to life
0: for sure. It's amazing. And so on your second point before, that God's power is evident in our sanctification as well. Yeah. In fact, I was going to go to this um, a bit later on, but I'll do it now. In Ephesians chapter um, 3, this is one of our favourite prayers that Paul prays. He says, for this reason, um, in verse 14, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think according to his power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. How good. You see right here, we have the power of God that works within us as uh, we're built up in our inner being and we are conformed to the image of Christ as he dwells in our hearts. That's That's phenomenal. What security that is yeah. as a believer, right? That yeah. I'm not, you think of self-help these days, right? Where you work on yourself. I'm working on myself with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. With the omnipotent God of the universe who's working on me in my inner being. That's breathtaking. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I know we normally get to the the practical at the end, but a really good thing that um to do is to memorize that section of scripture, right mm. That's a prayer that Paul gets on his hands and knees in prays and in fact, if you actually look at certain things that he prays in in his other epistles he he talks he prays a similar prayer mm. and so um you want to memorize that and and that is probably one of the best prayers that you could ever pray for a fellow Christian,
0: absolutely. Make that a part of your devotional routine, praying with scripture.
1: Yep. Next time you say to someone, "Hey, I'm going to pray for you," pray that prayer.
0: What? Who are these people that listen and talk like that? What accent is that? We
1: have a massive American following.
0: <laughs> sure. In the Bible Belt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's um, let's get into the practical in a minute. Before before we do so, let's take a quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by Leftovers. Sick of getting home late to nothing in the fridge and not wanting to fork out top dollar and filthy takeaway? Well, the latest food sharing app has you covered. Leftovers links you up with the neighbors or people around the corner who have a bit of extra food they are willing to sell for an absolute bargain. Nice man John has an extra piece of barramundi. Friendly Ramesh has a spicy Rogan Josh. Or you could even get Grandma Janet's leftover lamb casserole for only $4.50 a serve. What a bargain. Go order through the app and pick up yourself. Look for leftovers on your app store today. Eat at your own risk.
1: We're back. (laughs) We are back. Did we go anywhere? Can we just address the elephant in the room?
0: Go ahead. We probably should. (laughs) It's about time.
1: Uh, These ads are not real. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Are we not getting money for this? We are getting diddly squat, mate, and this is my first question. What are you signing us up to? (laughs) No, secondly, we uh we have been uh, getting some interesting feedback. <laughs> yeah. We've essentially
0: ads. found that there's two types of people in the yeah. world based on the feedback. There's there's those who um love the uh, our advertisements.
1: Yeah. And then those, namely our wives, who've been very vocal about the fact that they dislike wholeheartedly these pointless um, advertisements
0: yeah it essentially just started off as a fun idea because every real podcast has an ad break these days (laughs) let's just make have make some fun of that yeah and um, make up our own
1: yeah so we want to hear from you if you love them let us know
0: yeah you person a or person b yeah
1: if you're like, meh, we want to know because we need to do some testing on you.
0: Yeah. Hey, if you've got any business ideas as well, we're running out of ideas. <laughs> <Yeah>. to- <laughs> any, any, um, not, doesn't even have to be funny. I quite like good business ideas. We'll promote your good business idea that doesn't exist, like my SnapLock bag cereal. I think that is a, why has no one done that yet? <laughs>
1: yeah. In our
0: day and age where we have smartphones and we've created 87 different genders, how have we not developed? snaplock bags for cereal anyway we're getting off topic hey yeah. look yes. why should i care why should i care that god is sovereign and that he is omnipotent how does it change how i live as a christian today
1: well first and foremost it is actually a huge thing when we talk about the sovereignty of god even within salvation there is a lot of conversation about it hmm. uh obviously we firmly believe that God is sovereign over salvation, which mm. means it is he who works salvation within us. Mm. Um, a dead man can't negotiate life. Yeah. So we need that life given to us, and then that grace is irresistible
0: for us to then follow. Totally. Yeah, the only thing that we bring to our salvation is our sinfulness Yeah. that we need saving from, right? Yeah, exactly yeah. right.
1: Mm. So the, the practical elements, I think I want to just hit on prayer.
0: First and foremost.
1: You Uh, always do, mate. Yeah. well, I'm just trying to hint at you. You should start praying. Um, (laughs) Thanks, mate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. prayer. So really, when you look at the omnipotency and the sovereignty of God, it does change the way that we pray. Omnipotency?
0: That's a new one. Is that a word? No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I reckon it is. All right, go for it. Um, When we talk about how God is all-powerful and sovereign, Mm. uh, this is that God is able to to do whatever he wants. So it's not only that he um, he knows all things and he is everywhere, mm. but he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Just as in Job it talks about that, uh, Job's realisation of God is that you can do what you want mm. and your plans cannot be thwarted. So when we go to a God and we pray, we are talking to a God who has the power to do it. Totally. But then throw in there that God is also sovereign. Mm. So as we pray, we are not sovereign in this scenario. Yeah. A God is a sovereign king who we go and we ask for. Absolutely. Um, Timothy Keller says something along the lines of the only person who can wake a king to ask for water is a child, is his child. Mm. And we being Christians. Mm, that's good, isn't it? We have the ability to go to this God who is all-powerful, all-knowing everywhere Mm-mm. and ask Yeah, and um, submit it to his will.
0: Totally. Yeah,
1: which I think is really important.
0: Yeah, so you pretty much led there, but to ask the question, yeah, uh, if God is omnipotent and can do all things and therefore give all things, mm-hmm. why does He not like give me my Ferrari that I've been playing praying for for the last <laughs> six years? Because you're not specific on what model. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's just waiting for my waiting direction. For specificity, yeah. Sure, that makes sense. Uh
1: yeah. Um, it's because He's sovereign, also. So he has he has a plan, mm. and as well as, um, within uh, the very nature of God, he is not going to give us something that is going to harm us. Yeah, very true. And so, um, I think that's a really good way to assess what you're praying about. Like, mm. if you've been praying for something for a long time, mm. um, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, or something a lot more serious than a Ferrari. Mm. Um, the best thing that you can do is maybe change your prayer and ask yeah. the Lord why. Yeah, why aren't you? Giving this to me, and he may reveal. Um, mm. And as you go to scripture on this, reveal that there is an idol in your heart. Totally. Um, you know, the best way to test where your heart is, look at what you're praying. Oh. Cause that reveals where you're at, right?
0: Big bombs from the Luke Master.
1: <laughs> we need sound effects.
0: Yeah. You, how about you just do the sound effects with your voice from now on? I know how much you practice them yes. in your sleep. All right, you'll hear some coming up. <laughs> um, but on that, like you think about how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come and your will be done. You know, the the first um A part of the Lord's Prayer, having addressed our holy and sovereign and righteous God who is omnipotent and is in heaven, is to ask that my Ferrari come. No, 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 it's that his will be done. Yeah. And that I would conform my life then to doing his will, praying for his will, believing for his will, and leading others to do the same.
1: Yeah. And this is why we're doing this podcast, because Mm. you think about it, knowing these things about God Mm. changes the way that you pray.
0: Absolutely.
1: You're you're going to, obviously, you're not going to go to a God as if he's mm. not able to do something. Yeah. That links very much into this God. When you're praying, you can pray, and most people pray mm. to a, as if God is sovereign over salvation. They say things like, uh, God, save my friends.
0: Mm.
1: Now, if God is not sovereign over salvation, that is a pointless prayer.
0: Yeah. It's but, watery.
1: Yeah. But clearly... God is sovereign. Mm. And clearly we can go and say, Lord, save Grandma Janet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that lamb casserole.
1: We want that lamb casserole in heaven. <laughs> it is the feast of the lamb. Bring her in. <laughs> so we can um, we can go to a God and ask for salvation mm. for our friends mm. because he is
0: sovereign. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Secondly, also... Um, I've been reflecting just as we're preparing for this on how we all, me included, uh, we crave control, right? We we all want to position ourselves as... Uh, the one on the throne, rather than come to the king who is on the throne and bow down and worship and live for his will. We come to God's throne and say, hey, can you just jump off real quick and then sneak on there while he's, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. We're, we're, yeah. we're always trying to put ourselves on the throne. Why? Because we crave control. We crave control, you know, with our possessions. We pr- crave control with our relationships, with our circumstances, even uh, with our bodies. With with you know in our fitness culture today we we try to control every part of who we are so that we might be seen or respected or loved and adored and uh, ultimately the danger in this let me get to the danger and then um, the remedy afterwards the danger is that we move from taking things that we should steward like we we are stewards in what we have we are stewards of our wealth of our bodies of our relationships of our you know families we are stewards under god's control under um god's rule for example um and when we move from stewarding those things and Instead, we try to control them. Ultimately, we idolize them. We idolize our fitness. We idolize our relationships and it destroys them and it destroys us. Quickly then, just can you
1: put that more practically? Because we throw the idea of practical, mm-hmm. the idolatry around and go, oh, you make an sure. idol of it. How does that practically work? Say, for example, God takes it away.
0: Yeah, sure. Does God? Yeah, this is actually something that um, my wife and I would talk about often as we were dating, and even as we're married now. Like, what if God took all of this away? Like, what if God took away our home, or God took away our each other? How would we live? Would we still be worshiping God just the same? Now? Yeah. Like, would he? Would he be the number one focus of our attention in our lives? now whilst we have those potential distractions and idols just as he would uh uh, if we didn't have any of them i think that's a good question for all of us to ask like how much what's the first thing that our heart leaps at Mm. is it like i need to get to the gym so i can you know get i know you are always worried about your bikini body absolutely um or, or is it that we get on our knees and pray And spend time with our Lord and Savior? Yeah. And that's not to say that we don't live healthy lives and going to the gym is wrong, Yeah, but are we idolizing those things and putting them before our God?
1: Yeah. And as an athlete, I fully get that. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you laughing, man? Um, I I think a really good test, right, to see whether Mm. something has become an idol for you is what are you afraid of the most of Mm. losing? Yeah. And there's, it's okay to be scared of, lose, like you know, like the whole idea of losing a child or something mm. like that, but is that an ultimate thing? Yeah. And I think it's one of the great blessings of this time we live in totally. is that some of these things have been shown to be the frauds that they are. They ain't gods mm. and we've been putting way too much hope, but making good things become God things.
0: Mm. Bang. Boomtown. Boomtown. <laughs> Where's the sound effect on the end of that one? That was Boomtown. Oh, sure.
1: <laughs> so a natural progression for that then would be, mm. and uh, I know this is something that you're quite passionate about is, mm. if we're talking about the fact that we crave control, yep. but God is in control, yep. ultimately what you're saying here, right, is if God is in control, he's your creator, he's the owner of you then. yeah. So therefore you do not belong to yourself Mm. Not only doing the things that you own, you know, as in your money and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I mean, you think about the implications for that for even tithe. We don't even have time to go into that. But all these things are given to us by God. Mm. Not only that, you yourself
0: Mm. are owned by God. Very true. We think about it in our current day and age as well. Everyone's, uh, at least from a society, worldly point of view, is that decisions are made because this is my life. Yeah. I can choose to live this way. <laughs> I'm doing things my way. I choose yep. my gender. I choose my sexuality. I choose what I spend my money on because this is my life. I'll ask the question, is it? Mm. it are, are you the creator and ruler over your life? And well, you know, and that's supposed to be the danger of not recognizing that God is sovereign, that God is our creator is we slip into the lie that is so prevalent today. And and this isn't, I said at the start, it's a worldly view, but it's crept into the church and to Christian up. belief as well, that we belong to ourselves. No, you don't. Mm. We belong to God. You know, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. We're talking specifically about Christ, right? Imagine, th- think about the magnitude of the person of Christ, the glory of Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, that purchased us back. Now, God created us, which means we belong to him. Yeah. We rebel and we essentially turn away and run in the opposite direction. Rather than glorifying him, we live for ourselves to glorify ourselves. And then God pays the price to buy back what was already his. Yeah. He pays the price to cover our debt so that we might again be brought to life spiritually and our relationship with him be reconciled. That is mind-blowing. Now, bringing it back to this passage, Paul is talking in Corinthians about um, sexual immorality, that in fact you have no right to give um, yourself uh, in immoral ways. Yeah. Why? Because you're not your own. Mm. It's not yours to give away. You belong to somebody else has huge
1: ramifications.
0: Oh, but, especially today.
1: Yeah. That's something that we should all be thinking about often, right? Big time. I think the way that it snuck into Christianity is I remember, I think it might be in the book Radical by David Platt. Mm. Big plug. Read that book. Yeah. Read that book. <laughs> read the book. He was talking about these um, missionaries mm. who go to um, this tribe that no one has been able to get to before. Mm. They spend a whole whack of time. Um, I think this is Elizabeth Elliot's husband.
0: Mm, Yeah, it is. They
1: drop all of these packages to them. They finally land and are speared to death. Mm. Now, is that a waste of their life? Now, in our day and age, mm. we could look at it and go, "Absolutely, that's a huge waste." Mm. But if God has asked them to do so, mm. and if it's for the glory of the gospel, yeah, then it is not a waste at all. Because what happens later in that story, and even if this doesn't happen, it's still not a waste. But what mm. happens in that story is that that man's wife, Elizabeth Elliot, yeah. goes in with a whole group of missionaries and shares the gospel with these people, and they go, "I've heard this before. This yeah. is what the other people were saying." Mm. They repent of their sins and, and meet this. Jesus
0: for themselves. Praise the Lord. If we are holding onto our lives so closely, mm. yeah, living living that our will be done rather than His will, mm. Mm. then everything oh. changes, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you even think in terms of our consumerist culture today. Like, I have the right yeah. to have my haircut done and uh, my hair done once a week, or you know, spend X amount of money on my clothes because it is my right. Well. Is it, or is that just simply a root, uh, a rooted in your heart mm. that is selfish? Yeah, yeah. Now it's not to again not to say those things are wrong in themselves, but if they come from a place of you know this is my right to have as a you know Western world consumer culture Christian. Yep, I'm not sure about it. Mm.
1: Yeah, this is probably the, one of the hardest things for our Western world to get ahead head around. Mm. you got a Middle East or even the underground church, they mm. would struggle with a God that shows grace. Totally. We struggle with a God who chooses
0: mm. and
1: is has the power to choose. <laughs> totally. And uh, that's just the nature of it. Your yeah. no choice, either you're going to yield and allow him to be God mm. or try and make him yield. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, good luck.
1: Good luck with
0: that. <laughs> yeah. Considering he is... All-powerful. Yeah. Go ahead, sir. Hey, we might leave you right there. We hope you have a blessed rest of your week. We'll be back next Thursday. We're talking about the communicable attributes of God now, ways in which we are created in his image and therefore can reflect him. Luke, I love you, mate. It's been fun. Love you too. We'll see you soon.